And Romans chapter 6, a great passage this morning, and we'll take a look here. Now, I will tell you, if you can tell by the title of the message this morning, and of course, I had no idea all, all that is transpiring, I will tell you this, that the message is not a physical, it's a spiritual this morning, all right? This matter of dying to self daily, all right? So, uh, Romans chapter number 6, beginning in verse number 1, the Bible says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin, notice dead to sin, live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us, as were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead, for, uh, dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. And when we think about this passage this morning, certainly you notice how many times God used the words that we are dead and that we are now alive. And I hope you see that this morning and that God by His Spirit would help you the way God has helped me to understand that the Christian life is a life where we should die to self daily. Let's pray. Lord, thank you again for this morning. Bless the message. Bless your word. And we'll ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Now, when you study the word of God and you get to the book of Romans, and we're going through the book of Romans on Sunday evenings, and I hope that you will join us maybe in the days ahead as we continue our journey, and we're already in chapter 4, but when you get to chapter 5 in the book of Romans, what you find is a great passage dealing with this matter of salvation. But Romans chapter number 6 deals with what is known as sanctification. Now, sometimes there's two words that are synonymous, salvation and justification. Notice that justification is defined as being what releases us from the penalty of sin through Christ's substitution. That's what 
justification is, that we have been justified by God. We have been released from the penalty of sin. Well, how did that happen? Through Christ's substitution. But then we see what, what is sanctification. Well, when you think about this, sanctification then releases us who have been justified. Sanctification releases us from the control of sin. Why? So that we may live freely in righteousness. God wants us to understand our standing has changed. We are now in Christ. Look what the Bible says in Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Aren't you glad that Jesus did that for you? Jesus loved you and he loved me so much that he went to Calvary. He died on the cross so that you could have eternal life, that you could be justified in the eyes of God. Now again, Romans 5 is a wonderful chapter because it describes the incredible forgiveness of God and that takes place through salvation. Our freedom from the penalty of sin, listen to this, as we have been set free by Christ, that does not free us uh, to, to sin without consequences. In other words, we are, as we just read a minute ago, that we are in the flesh. And as long as we're in the flesh, the flesh is prone to sin. Uh, sometimes I talk to people and I'll say, have you ever done anything wrong in your life? And people will actually say to me, no. And I'm like, really? Seriously? But see, Romans chapter 6, for those of us that have been saved, Romans chapter 6 teaches us that grace does not lead us to sin. Let me say that again. God's grace would never lead us to sin. What we understand about God's grace is that God's grace leads us away from sin. That we understand that God has imparted his grace to us and it is this development in our lives, this new life that God has given to us, we need to develop this area of sanctification in our life. And this is the part of our life that only God sees. That's why God led me to this series called Live It Out. Now, the question this morning is, are you allowing God's grace to work in your life, to motivate you to die to self daily, to put self down and let God have his way in your life? Or are you quietly and privately engaging in sin in your life, yet at the same time claiming the grace of God? There are a lot of people that live that way. If we're going to develop our new life in Christ, then we have to learn to die to self daily. Because every day, the flesh is going to want to have its way in our life. Again, I'm not going to take the time, but if you went one chapter over in Romans chapter number 7, you would read that portion where Paul's writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit about the battle between the flesh and the spirit. And, and listen, every day we have to push self down and let God have his way in our lives. And so notice this morning, when you think about the grace of God in this matter of dying to self daily, notice that we see in Romans 6 a presumption that we need to avoid. Look in verse number 1 again and verse number 2, where the Bible says, What shall we say then? 
Shall we continue in sin? What's the answer to that question? No. no. Notice here, the writers, Paul's writing here, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound, God forbid. How shall we, look at these words, that are what? Say it out loud, that we are what? Are you dead to sin this morning? If you're alive in Christ, if you have new life in Christ, then according to the Bible, we are dead to sin. But he says, how shall we live any longer therein? God saved you out of a life of sin. God says, don't live that way. Romans chapter number five, as you look at that chapter, it closes that, that chapter with a glorious pronouncement. And here's what it says at the end of Romans five, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Aren't you glad for the grace of God today? God's grace is available. What a liberating truth. No matter how ugly our sin is, God's grace is greater. You know what we are this morning? We are benefactors of God's amazing grace. And our response to that grace should not be, hey, listen, I want to go sin more. But our response should be, I want to sin less. I want, to, I want to live a life that's pleasing to God. And through grace, notice here as we think about that grace is always greater than our sin. We know that, but that does not give us the permission. God does not want us to live a life of sin. Our world that we live in, and we know this is true if you live for the Lord any length of time, the world we live in, it ridicules holy living. It puts down people that are trying to live for God and actually, there are many Christians who, in, even in this day we live in, that are abusing the grace of God. Paul points out two problems about this matter of abusing the grace of God here in Romans chapter number 6. Notice the first one is it, we see a problem of interpretation. Now again, we've got to be careful how we handle the Word of God. But understanding this morning that if we are using grace as a license to sin... We are misinterpreting the Word of God. It is wrong thinking that if grace abounds when sin abounds, then the more we sin, the more we receive grace. That is wrong thinking. Uh, listen, we cannot abuse the grace of God. A growing Christian should be doing this, always studying the Word of God. What does the Bible have to say about sin? And if we are doing it in a right way, then what we're going to do is we're going to receive truth from the Word of God, and then we need to take those truths and to implement them into our own lives. Look at what Paul writes to Timothy. Study to show thyself approved. Folks, if we're living in sin, if we're thinking that the more we sin, the more grace we're going to get from God, we are not approving, we're not living a life approved unto God. But the Bible says that we need to study the Word of God to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. In other words, not changing the Bible to fit our lifestyle so that we can abuse the grace of God. 2 Timothy 3, 16, and here's why we study the word of God. Because all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is profitable, the Bible says. For what? For doctrine? for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Listen, when you think about the grace of God this morning and what God has done for us, it did not come. At, listen, it was a great price that God paid 
for us to have the grace that has been bestowed upon us. And as we think about this morning, it is wrong to take God's word out of context in order to accommodate our theology to fit our lifestyle. And so many people are abusing the grace of God. We, they are developing a theological system that makes them feel good about the way that they are living. And listen, that is no way to treat the word of God. And so what Paul says here in Romans chapter 6 is that there is a problem of interpretation. But then notice also there's a problem of intention. Because many who would wrongly presume that they can freely live in sin, that they are doing it, but the reason they're doing it is because they have a heart problem. There's something wrong in their heart. They misinterpret the Bible because the intentions of their heart are wrong. God's word is the tool that God will use to show us the truth about our intentions. Look what it says in Hebrews 4. The word of God is quick. That means it's alive. And notice it's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The Bible says out of the heart comes the issues of life. And we find this morning, as we think about our intention, again, there's a problem with the heart. A, a Christian that insists on living apart from holiness that God commands will argue this. They will say, well, God has unlimited grace. And again, understand this morning that God's grace will only extend so far in our lives. We will use this argument sometimes to guilt, uh, to quiet our guilty consciences and in all the times what it does is it silences the Holy Spirit of God and that displeases God. That brings shame on the name of Christ. And many times we see this. Look again in verse 1, what Paul says here. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live therein any longer? Paul's making it clear how God's grace is not to be used or abused is what he's saying here. He says here, God forbid. In other words, nowadays we wouldn't say God forbid, we would just say no way. That is not what God has intended his grace. That's a strong denial on the part of the Apostle Paul, which is again a part of the word of God. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. The correct way to enjoy God's grace and he, listen, this is so important that we understand this this morning, is that we not only recognize his liberation, but we would recognize its purification. That God has saved us, that we would sin no more. God's grace frees us from sin, and it gives us the power. Listen, God's grace gives us the power to say no. Let's say that this morning. Can you say no? You know, the Bible says my son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. Learn to say no. Now, we have to understand this morning that, listen, temptations are going to come, and the flesh is always going to tr be trying to do things that it ought not to do. Look at Titus chapter 2 this morning, verse 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us. Now, here's what the grace of God it, this is what it is teaching us. 
that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, that we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Folks, it doesn't get any more clear. God says, look, I saved you. I want you to live soberly by my grace, righteously, godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope, the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity, not some. He didn't save us from some. He's that he might redeem us from all iniquity. And here it is, not only the realization, but the purification that he might purify us unto himself, a peculiar people, zealous of good works. See, God's grace, it's not just a liberator from the penalty of sin. What God's grace is, it's a teacher to us unto righteousness. It teaches us how to live a life that's pleasing to God. We must avoid the presumption that since we are saved, listen to me, we can do whatever we want. That's abusing the grace of God. You know, we act like because we're a child of God, listen, it's, we have our get-out-of-jail-free card. And so, I, look, I'm a child of God. God says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And so we think for that reason, we can do whatever we want because once saved, always saved. And that may be true. If you are saved today, you have eternal life. But what you are forgetting is one day you're going to stand before the Lord and give an account of the life that you lived. Listen, God wants us to understand this matter of abusing his grace. Look what Paul was writing to those that were struggling in Galatia, the church there in Galatians 5.13. For brethren, we have, we have been called unto what? Liberty. Now watch this. Only use not liberty. Don't use that liberty that God gave to you for an occasion to the what? To the flesh, but by love serve one another. Some of you have heard the story about John Newton. John Newton was a slave trader. John Newton was a man that, that really wanted nothing to do with God, but John Newton, as, as an alcoholic, as a slave trader, John Newton got saved by the, by the grace of God. And John Newton began to study the Word of God, and he began to rightly apply God's grace to his own life. And we all know the words to the song that Newton wrote, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a what? Wretch like me. Paul wrote, O wretched man that I am. I know this, without God, that's what I am. I'm a wretch. I'm a mess. Call it whatever you want. But see, it's God's amazing grace. And we need to rightly interpret it, and we need to have the right intention. May we never take the attitude, I am forgiven, I can do whatever I want, I am under grace. That is wrong thinking, folks. That is not understanding the grace of God. See, that's the presumption that we need to avoid as it begins Romans chapter number 6. But then notice, secondly, we also see here a position to acknowledge. So not only avoid that presumption that we're under grace, we can do whatever we want, but then notice that we have a position that we do need to acknowledge. And notice what he says in verse number 3. He says, Know ye not that so many of us, as we're baptized into Jesus Christ, we're baptized into his death, Therefore, we are buried with him 
by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Now behind me, there's what we call a baptistry. It's nothing more than a glorified bathtub is what it is. A small pool, whatever you want to call it. You're welcome after the service to come up here and you can take a look at it. But it's basically got steps on both sides, goes down. It's got some water in it. And a lot of times, we, again, this is just another aspect of the Word of God. We need to understand what scriptural baptism really is. You see, the Bible tells us that the only prerequisite to going to heaven is that we have been saved, that we have been justified by the grace of God. But once we are saved, the Bible says that they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. So every time you see somebody getting baptized, it's a tremendous picture of what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. In other words, they, people are being immersed. Notice here on the screen, you have somebody standing in the water, then you have them going under the water, then you have them coming up out of the water. That's a great picture of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Well, the Bible says that we have been buried with him by baptism, notice, into death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. Sometimes when I baptize folks, I will say to them as I'm bringing them up out of the water, raised to walk in newness of life. Those aren't my words, those are God's words. Because we have been given new life in Christ. Everybody with me this morning? Now when you think about this, just as Jesus died on the cross, according to this passage, we died to sin, in other words, to not serve it any longer. And just as Jesus rose from the grave, the Bible says that we live in him, that we are free now, but we are not free to do what we want. We're free to walk in the newness of life. Do you get it? Look, God saved you, not so you can do whatever you want and just claim the grace card, because notice a couple things about this position. First of all, we are crucified with Christ, the Bible tells us. Again, in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Paul says, nevertheless, even though I've been crucified with Christ, he says, nevertheless, I live, yet not I. It's not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live it by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now look at verse number 6 back in Romans chapter 6. Notice what he says here, knowing this. In other words, knowing what I just read to you in Galatians 2.20. He says, our old man is crucified with him that the body of what? Sin might be destroyed. Notice these words, that henceforth, or from that point on, when the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve what? Sin. So here's the question. Why do we allow sin to reign in our mortal body? Why do we continue in sin? Because according to what Paul's writing, we have been crucified with Christ. Our old man, that sin nature, was crucified with Christ. When Jesus died on the cross, it was more, much more than the death of just one man. When Jesus died on that cross, he was the final sacrifice for the atonement of the sins of the entire world. 
There'd never be another sacrifice after Jesus Christ. All those animals before him, they could not atone for sin. God's perfect lamb was offered once and for all. Those who by faith receive that gift of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, they have had their old man nailed to the cross according to the word of God. The wickedness of the old man has been set aside by the very presence of the new man, which is Jesus Christ himself. And the Bible says that Christ is in us. See, the cross, as you think about this, the cross of Jesus Christ, it destroyed the body of sin. And here's what that means. It, it rendered sin inoperable. See, to live in the old nature is not what God says is normal Christian living for us. We should not continue in sin. God never intended us to have a life where we continue living in bondage to sin after we were saved. We still have the ability in our lives every day. You have the choices to make every day of your life to choose to sin, but we do not have the nature of sin like we did before. Why? Because we have a new nature. See, that's the old man, but now we have the new man because of the Lord Jesus Christ. I think about the, uh, years ago, uh, there was a famous preacher. How many of you heard the name Lester Roloff? Any of you guys? A couple of you have. Lester Roloff was a man that was, was mightily used for the Lord many years ago, and he was kind of an interesting guy, and he, he would fly to meetings. And I remember asking a preacher one time, I said, <clears throat> I found a, 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 this, this a pastor said, we used to have him come every year and speak for us for this big meeting. And I said, I, said, I bet you that was awesome having Lester Roloff come in. He says, yeah, but he said it was very frustrating because we never knew that he was coming until he actually got there. He, he wouldn't, you know, that was before the days of email and things like that. And he, he said, but boy, he says, when he would show up, he's, he said one time Lester Roloff was sitting on the, on the platform. He, he got there late and he was sitting up and he said, I noticed the whole time, he said, he just kept flipping back and forth in his Bible. And he said, I asked him, he said, and later on, he says, what were you doing? He says, I was looking for a message. He said he was just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. He says, but when he stood up and opened his Bible, he preached for an hour from one of the Psalms. He said it was one of the most powerful messages I ever heard from that particular Psalm in the Bible. Lester Roloff was an amazing man. And, and, and somebody years ago, they, they apologized. They were, this, whoever this individual was, they were attacking Lester Roloff. They were attacking his character and his motives and why he was doing what he was doing. And Lester Roloff, he heard all these attacks on him. And of course, there were so many. Lester, he spent time in prison for his faith in the Lord, for his preaching of the gospel. And when they asked Lester Roloff about uh, this man attacking his character, his response was this, you can't hurt a dead man. Just think about that. If you're dead, you can't hurt somebody that's dead. That means that Lester Roloff understood that he was dead to sin. He had been crucified with Christ. But look here, that's not where it ends. Because according to Romans 6, we are crucified with Christ. But notice, secondly, we are buried with Christ. The Bible says again in verse number 3, 
Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus, were baptized into his death, therefore we are buried with him. I get tickled sometimes. You think about, this is a great passage here on this matter of baptism because when we baptize, we immerse people. Say, why do Baptists do that? Because it's the Bible. Because immersion means to put under. The very word baptize means to dip, to plunge. And so when you think about it, when you do this to somebody, it just gets raindrops on them. But when you baptize somebody, you put them under. When you bury somebody, if you've, if you've ever had a loved one, you go to the cemetery, they don't do it above ground. It's below ground. And the Bible says that we are buried. Our old man was buried with Christ, and that's where God wants the old man to stay. So as we look at this passage, I think to myself, I know this is true in my life, all of us wrestle with some of the old sin nature, some of the patterns that we had in our lives. That's why we have books in our Bible like 1 Corinthians. Because they were saved, but they were struggling with baggage that they had in their life before they got saved. Everybody know what I'm talking about? You see, just because we're saved, we have a new nature, but some of those old sin patterns, they still plague us. Sometimes people, I get around Christians sometimes, and they might have a sharp tongue, bitter. I have to watch sometimes because I'm very sarcastic sometimes. I've seen Christians, they're very angry with people. They just get angry all the time. They have a proud heart. All of us wrestle with the old sin patterns. And this sin nature, according to Romans 6, it has been rendered useless at the cross. Jesus died. And listen, we were buried with him, according to the passage. And it, that old sin nature has been buried. And listen, it is, it is expected to never breathe life again. God says, I put that to death. We have been crucified with Christ. We have been buried with him. Every Christian should acknowledge that their old man is buried with Christ. Do you, would you acknowledge that this morning? That's what the Word of God says. We are crucified with Christ. We are buried with him. Notice letter C. This is a good part here. We are raised with Christ. Look what it says in verse number 4. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin, for he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. So when we look at these verses here, thinking about we are alive in Christ, we have a new nature. We walk in the newness of life. Your new life isn't your life. Listen, it is Christ's life living through you. Let me say that again. It's not your life. He gave you new life. It's Christ-like, Christ's life living through you. That's what we see here this morning. This doesn't mean that we are sinless. A lot of times people think after they get saved that they're never going to do anything wrong. 
See, we are, we are no longer in a relationship with sin. We are no longer in bondage to sin. Why? Because we are in Christ. We are victorious in Him. Look at 2 Timothy 2.11. This is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with Him, we shall also live with Him. Look at Ephesians 4, that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which is after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Jesus came to the earth. Why did he come? He came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to give life, not only life, but he came to give abundant life. Look what it says in John 10, 10. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and destroy. Jesus says, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. God's never intended for man to live from failure to failure. That's not the life that God wants any one of his children to live in. When we get saved, we did not add the new nature to our old nature. What we did was we exchanged natures. We didn't make our old nature better. God gave us a new nature. Colossians 3.3, 3, you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. 2 Corinthians 5.17, therefore if any man be in Christ, he's what kind of creature? He's new. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become what? New. So every time we see somebody getting baptized, it's a reminder of our position in Christ, that we have been buried with Christ, that we are raised to walk in newness of life. Listen, God is saying to us that we are dead to sin, but we are alive unto God. Aren't you glad for that this morning? You see, we think about this this morning, there is a presumption that we've got to avoid, and that is that we are saved by the grace of God and we can live however we want. He then says there's a position that we've got to acknowledge, that we are, we are crucified with Christ, that we are, we are buried with Christ, but we are raised with Christ. And then notice thirdly this morning, there is a process that we need to activate in our lives. In other words, we have a responsibility in our lives, that's, this is what sanctification is, to live by the facts that God is sharing with us in Romans chapter number 6. It's sad when a Christian who has God's power within them to live a victorious life, but instead what they want to do is they want to continue to live their lives by the old nature. God has given you his power. He told the disciples in, in Matthew 28, Go ye therefore into all nations, and, and he gave them the authority, the power to do things, God's things, God's way, with God's power. And that's what God wants us to live, is a life that is pleasing, that God's power is helping us to live a victorious Christian life. Notice what Paul wrote. He says, the life that I now live, in Galatians 2.20, in the flesh I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me, and he gave himself for me. Now, when you consider what God has done for us and how we need to activate some of these things in our lives, look what Ephesians 5.8 says. Ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. 
Walk as children of what? Walk as children of light. In other words, God says, look, now that you understand that you cannot abuse God's grace, you can't live the way you want, and you need to understand your position in Christ, he says, if you understand that, then he says, you're children of light, therefore you need to walk in the light. You need to activate some things. Notice here again that as we think about this, we are not partly light and partly dark. We are not partly dead and partly alive. We have a responsibility that every one of us need to activate the light. And we're, we're not talking about like turning on a flashlight. We're talking about that we need to allow God to work in and through our lives. We must put feet to what we know and we must walk as children of light. How many of you would agree that this world is a sinful place? And sin is darkness. Jesus said that ye are the light of the world. You know, God is, he says, let your light so shine. Well, where does that light come? It comes from him because he says, I am the light of the world. Look at, look at what it says here in Galatians 5, 24. They that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. So what is this process that God wants us to activate so that we can live a victorious Christian life. Notice two things that we need to say as we finish the passage this morning. The first thing we need to activate is this matter. Here's the word. The word is reckon. And that's a good southern word right there. The word reckon. Look what it says in verse number 11. It's a Bible word. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be what? dead indeed unto sin, but what? Alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now the word reckon, it means to take into account or to calculate. In other words, we must take a, an account of our position in Christ. Think about who we are, keeping tabs on our life as a Christian. I, you know, when you think about this, is, is anybody... Does anybody in here recognize uh, what this is? It's a checkbook register. And, and a lot of us old timers, we actually probably still use one of these. Now, there's a lot of younger people, and again, nothing wrong with it, but a lot of younger people, they do everything electronically. My wife was talking to somebody recently, and they got into this discussion, and, uh, and, and she asked him, she said, uh, do you use something like this to reckon your account? And the younger person said, well, no, not really. And my wife said, so are you telling me that you never balance your account? And the young person says, well, I, you know, as long as there's money there, I'm okay. But I think, it's a, I think it's a wise thing to always have an account of or to know where you are. Well, how many of you think that if that works with finances, how many of you think that's a good thing as a Christian to take an account of your life, your position in Christ, to know where you are in God? 
Are you with me this morning? This is what he says right here, that we must reckon, we must keep tabs on our lives. I love the old song, the old account was settled long ago. That's what he said. I took care of salvation. I took care of eternal life. Look, if you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your Savior, you can settle that today. You know why? Because if you've never asked Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sin and to be your Lord and Savior, then your account hasn't been settled. If you were to die today, you would not spend eternity with the Lord. But you can settle that today. See, reckoning acknowledges that we don't live with sin. See, if we don't activate this process of reckoning, what's going to happen is we're going to revert back to the old habits of the old man. Reckoning is a daily process. That's why Paul said, I die how often? Daily. You know why? Because the flesh every day. Paul says, I take an account of my life. How many of you would be honest and say yesterday, I probably, no, yesterday I didn't live for the Lord the way I should have? My hand's up. So guess what? Today I'm going to reckon. I'm going to take an account. And you know what I need to do? I need to die to self. I've got to die today. Why? So that Christ can live in me. That's what he's saying here. Reckoning is a daily process. You can't go day after day without reckoning. You know why? Because in the, in the uh, banking world, you know what you're going to start doing? You're going to start bouncing checks. You ever done that? It's never a pleasure. You know why? Because when you bounce a check, what do you get? You end up with a penalty, right? A fee. And see, here's what happens. If we don't start reckoning in our lives, we don't start taking an account of our lives and we start reverting back to some of our old habits. Look, we're saved. But remember what he said, I'm in the flesh. But he says, the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I don't want to live that way any longer because I've been crucified with him. I've been buried with him and I have been raised with him to walk in the newness of life, to have sustained longevity in the Christian life, to be a child of God is to realize that it is not me, it is Christ living in me. Many of you heard of George Mueller over the years. George Mueller was asked one time, how do you seem to have such power with God? I mean, you just seem like, you know, those orphanages and the work that you're doing and, and, and you pray and God answers your prayer. How do you seem to have such power with God? And here's what Mueller's response was. He says, because one day, George Mueller died. Just like Lester Roloff and so many others, he understood that he was dead to sin and alive unto God. If we don't apply the truth of Calvary, that sin, if listen, sin will continue to dominate our minds, our emotions, our wills. You know, it's just like those two boys one day, they were being like any other boys, being mischievous, and they, they, they found a, a turtle and they started to mess with it. Little boys just kind of think of all kinds of things to do sometimes. And they were kind of being ornery with this turtle and somehow, the way the story goes, and this word is interesting, they accidentally cut its head off. 
And the turtle's legs kept moving after they cut its head off. And the one little boy looked at the other one, and he says, he's dead, he just doesn't know it yet. You see, sometimes in our lives, sin dominates. I think every born-again child of God, according to the scriptures, is dead to sin. But some Christians don't seem to know it yet. They just continue to let sin dominate in their lives. They haven't reckoned themselves. But notice the other word, if we're going to activate this process, is the word yield. Look at verse number 13 of, of Romans 6. Notice the very first word, because he's continuing from the word reckon, and here's what he says, neither. See, he's adding to, not only do we need to reckon, but he says, neither yield. Ye your members as instruments of what? Does that say righteousness or unrighteousness? Unrighteousness to sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. See, the word yield means to place yourself at the disposal of. And we're talking about placing ourselves at the disposal of God, yielding ourselves unto God. We want God to be glorified in our lives and through our lives. Notice verse number 12. Look what he says. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Romans chapter 12, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. See, folks, listen, this morning, if we are in Christ, that means that we are putting self down instead of putting self up. Stop putting self on the throne because when we came to know Christ, when we are in Christ, the day of self is over. We take self off the throne. Every Christian struggles from time to time, but some, as you look at it, maybe you see from time to time, why does that person seem like they've ha they're having a more victorious life? Why do they seem they're, like they're not struggling? Listen, let me just tell you the difference. They've just learned how to do this second thing, and that is they've learned how to yield to God. They've learned how to trust the power of God. Hudson Taylor said, all God's giants have been weak men who did great things for God because they reckoned on his power and presence with them. They understood that they had to take an account of their life to understand that they are in Christ, they are dead to sin, but they're alive unto God. They've yielded themselves so that God's word and God's work could be done in and through their lives. So many Christians that I've met live such a miserable life. And you know why? Because they are allowing sin to have dominion in their lives. God does not want you to live that way. Why let sin have dominion in your lives. Sometimes I see other Christians just giving up on this matter of having victory in their lives. And they just allow sin to, to take control. And look, we who know the truth, we listen, as we think about this, we're not applying it maybe sometimes in our lives. We're not taking the word of God and applying it to our lives. And if that happens, here's what happens. 
If sin is reigning, then what's going to happen is you're going to become discouraged in your life. Every Christian needs to know that victory, victory is possible for the child of God. Look at Romans chapter 8, and we're almost done. The Bible says, therefore, brethren, this is two chapters from where we are this morning in Romans 6. He says, we are debtors. Notice, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if we live after the flesh, we shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify, what's the word mortify mean? means to die, right? Now watch it, look at this. He says, if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So as I look at this passage this morning in Romans 6, to live a spiritual victory, how do we do it? To reckon ourselves dead to sin and alive unto God, to yield to the Spirit of God, to die to self daily. Would you bow your heads with me this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, no one looking around this morning? Let me ask you this morning, have you thought about your life? Have you had a time in your life where you've asked the Lord to be your Savior? That if you were to die today, that you're 100% sure that heaven would be your home? How many of you could say by an upraised hand, I, I, I know for sure that, that the Lord is my Savior, that, that heaven would be my home if this was my last day. Would you raise your hand? You can put your hands down. Some of you this morning did not raise your hand. Maybe there hasn't been a time in your life that you put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And according to God's word, you're still living a life of sin. You're allowing the world, the flesh, the devil to have its way. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that's Jesus, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God's not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. If you're here this morning and you need to be saved, you need to take care of that today before it's eternally too late. And if you are saved this morning, are you living a life that is pleasing to God? Are you under some false interpretation of God's grace? So many Christians today are abusing God's grace. And God says this morning, you need to understand that you should not live in sin any longer. That when you got saved, you were buried with Christ. You're dead to sin. That you wouldn't allow sin to reign any longer. And some of you this morning may just need to come to the Lord and say, God, forgive me, help me to understand my position in Christ. And then we also need to understand this morning that every day of your life, every day, you need to reckon, you need to think about, take inventory of your life, and you need to yield yourself unto God 
so that you would be an instrument of righteousness instead of an instrument of unrighteousness. Your prayer this morning ought to be, God, I want to live a life that's wholly acceptable to you so that you can use me. Would you stand on your feet this morning?